Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I always wanted to be in real estate. So since um, my parents sold their first property, I was about 12 years old. Um, that was the moment that I knew I wanted to be in real estate. I want to do open homes. I want to do anything to do with property. Um, and I don't want to spend time sitting down and doing, um, reading books and li listening to teachers because I, I knew what I wanted to do. And this is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Laura Nasser, Director of Christian Bell Real Estate. The self-confessed property-obsessed agent grew up surrounded by the smell of new homes and was hooked from the very beginning. Having been an investor and renovator for over 12 years, she's accomplished so much but she's just getting started. Along with her family and her jewelry line, Milo Miller, Nasser's life is all property, all the time. And considering her favorite childhood hobby, it's no surprise. No matter the task at hand, if it's anything related to real estate, she can be trusted to give it her all. I'm probably the most obsessed real estate person in all aspects that you will ever find. I'm definitely happy to get down and dirty, do rubbish removal, paint, take out toilets, I've done it all um, and I, I love it more now than I ever have before. So um, I did buy my first property that needed a lot of work in Sydney's western suburbs of Penrith when I was 18 and um, since then I've just been accumulating and changing strategies along the way. As a mother of two, Nasser's day revolves around her children as much as it does her career. I usually get up when my children get up, which <laughs> can range anywhere between 4.30 in the morning and 6.30. We get up, we have breakfast, um, they go to childcare and then I go to the gym. I start work around 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning um, and then I basically call on my clients, um, drive around the car. I find that moving gets me more in the momentum of the day um, and then I finish typically around 3.30 um, besides those days when I work a full day and I do also work Saturdays and Sundays. So a big balance between um, health, family and work is my day. I'm really lucky that I do have um, a live-in nanny to the, to the property that we live in and um, so she will take over the children early in the morning um, the, t the children do also go to childcare, so I have a longer day the days that they go. But I do have a lot of flexibility, a lot of support and a lot of family that live very, very close by. So that enables me to do basically um, everything that's on my goals list. She grew up in the Blacktown region where she went to school in Riverston. 
Despite being area of Sydney, it wasn't that long ago that it looked like worlds away. I lived in um, some very interesting streets of the Blacktown Council area and um, gradually moved to the Hills area and uh, finished school in, in Kellyville High School. Well, it was very Western there. We saw a lot of chicken farms, a lot of horses and um, a lot of interesting characters. So my parents started off by um, buying their first house. I think it was for 60000 or whatever it was back then. Um, we lived there while my parents renovated. They sold that and basically we gradually moved. So a lot of my childhood from a young age was assisting with my parents with the smaller type things, passing the hammer, the nails, you know, taking out the weeds or whatever it might have been at that age-appropriate time. Um, so my whole childhood, my whole life has always been around property and around um, real estate. While her life mission has remained the same, she can't say the same for the area she lived in and now sells in. It's completely different and it's so funny because I now sell um, within my business a lot of the new subdivisions and a lot of the new development sites and I can tell the people, all the buyers, all the developers, like I, I used to drive Daniel Street when there was a chicken farm here and I used to buy eggs from here and my parents used to do, you know, this and that and I used to horse ride around the corner. So um, it's completely changed and I'm really lucky that I had grown up in the area and been able to witness that change and um, that also really enhances my interest in real estate and interest in development because I have seen a lot of it happen in the northwest. Acknowledging she wasn't overly interested in school, if it weren't for her passion for real estate, NASA might not have completed high school at all. When I was at school, I was definitely more interested in, in the sporting and the creative side. Um, the only reason I, I ended up going to year 12 was because at that point in time, you could fast track your real estate license by finishing the HSC. Otherwise, yeah, I, I definitely wasn't a very academic student, but I was very social. Um, I spent my weekends either doing sport or getting my parents to take me to the new homeworld down in um, Kellyville. Homeworld was more than just a display village to NASA, who saw it more as a real-life mood board for her future life. I loved it. I think it was always um, to dream big and at that point coming from a house that was quite conservative and being surrounded by a lot of, you know, your typical weatherboard, fibro type of home, seeing a, a brick mansion was pretty exciting and Homeworld really offered that place for me to um, dream, set goals and get excited about architecture and development and um, property really. So I, I loved going there. I got my parents to take me to all the open homes in the local area as well because I loved seeing all the Mercedes and the BMWs drive in the driveway. Um, um, so it was all that whole experience of, um, I guess, like your dream life or your goal in the future and, and that for me was um, why I really enjoyed it. During her high school days, Kellyville was a very different place to what it is today. Oh, it was a huge change. Um, it was at that point a very new area um, the homes are very different. The people were very different. The demographic particularly was very different. But it really opened my eyes at that point to a lot of different cultures, which I always find very valuable, understanding different ways that people are, live. Um, and I'm, I love the different languages as well. So um, it was fantastic because then I had a different group of friends that had, um, you know, different ways of 
living different interests and so on and so forth because Riverston going to school there it was still quite rural a lot of my school friends lived out in South Maruda, Moralia those very Hawkesbury type properties so um, it was a huge change I guess more suburbia was um was out in Kellyville. <laughs> As the only child to follow in her parents property sized footsteps she knew where she was headed and what wasn't necessary in order to get there. I always wanted to be in real estate. So since um, my parents sold their first property, I was about 12 years old. Um, that was the moment that I knew I wanted to be in real estate. I wanted to do open homes. I want to do anything to do with property. Um, and I don't want to spend time sitting down and doing, um, reading books and li- listening to teachers because I, I knew what I wanted to do. and. And, and all the rest of it. So I didn't have any intentions to go to university. Um, but if to get your real estate license was to go to university, then I would have done that. So it took me 12 months at TAFE to do the license. Um, I don't know what the um, how you do it now, <laughs> um, but you just go to TAFE. Um, but in between that time, I, worked, I did work full-time. Um, I used to volunteer a lot with local real estate agents on the weekends. Um, and then I did have a couple of other jobs in cafes. I used to deliver the papers. Um, I used to, when I was younger, I used to iron people in the streets clothes for, for five cents a shirt. Um, so I always had that intention of I want to buy a property by the time I'm finished school. Um, that way, you know, I'm not just one of those people that have gone to school, wasted time and and not done anything because I have no interest. I've at least added value by working in those periods of time that I didn't go to school. With her entrepreneurial spirit on fire from a young age, she kindled the flames with the real estate brochures of the time. Uh, I think I got it from, to be honest, going to all the new home estates and thinking to myself, I would love to live in one of those homes one day and what would that mean for me and what would the steps be to get that so I mean whilst my parents were into renovating and you know flipping homes in some in some sense um I it was more internal and and wanting to do it for myself and also exciting like in my spare time I used to pick up all the I mean we've got the internet now but in the western suburbs we had the homes pictorial and the property showcase like I couldn't wait until pick to pick those up, cut out the squares, say, yeah, I'm going to buy this kind of property first, this one second, and I put it all on a on a poster. So instead of having posters of like Backstreet Boys or whatever it is, I had little photos of the types of properties that I wanted to buy and that kind of led me um, to getting my pre-approval as quickly as I could when I was just finished school at 18 years old and um, looking, looking for property. And I said to my parents, no, it's a cool I'll do it by myself. I've got the initiative. I know exactly how much my pre-approval is for. And I went out and I bought something that weekend. Coming up after the break, we learn all about her first investment. So I thought, look, I'll go with something that just needs a lick of paint um, and, you know, those minor type of um, improvements rather than going, you know, to get something with with land and potentially larger issues. The unexpected reason why it needed so much more than just a lick of paint. And then obviously to have it relet again, um, once we could have access, we had to do the renovation. She explains all about the two hour circle. So we basically drew a circle. And that's next 
I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. When it was time to finally purchase her first property, she took an age-old real estate phrase and made it her own. That was in Penrith, um, in one of the worst streets. It was a little unit, double brick, two-level walk-up. I bought it at a silent auction. I paid way too much. I was just so excited that I was going to buy my first property. Um, and I had later that day made offers on other properties out in Shelby and Durick, which are those cheaper type areas where I could get a, um, a house for the same value. But at that time, I was a little bit nervous about um, termites or asbestos or that kind of thing because I didn't have an additional amount of funds to be able to rectify those issues. So I thought, look, I'll go with something that just needs a lick of paint um, and, you know, those minor type of um, improvements rather than going, you know, to get something with, with land and potentially larger issues. Its appeal to her was all in its practicality. While it's far from what she would consider investing now, it was great for a first step onto the property ladder. I really liked it because it was in walking distance to Penrith Station. It was on a huge block of land. So if you were to redevelop on, on that property now, you'd probably get 60, 70 apartments. When I bought that, it had six. So... <laughs> I thought, you know what, there's potential here. Um, and I like the fact that it was double brick and, and slab construction. So I felt like, you know, even though it's ground floor, which is obviously not ideal, it is a little bit elevated, so that's okay. Um, and the structure of it's quite good. So I felt like it's a it's lower risk for me. Um, and the strata levies at that point were fairly low. I rented that one out. Um, it was vacant for a good 12 months. There was a fire that happened in the basement um, which I was, I guess, in a positive mindset, I was thinking, oh, well, that's fantastic because if the whole building burns down, the six owners, we've basically potentially got a portion of the land and we can go and sell it to a developer. Anyway, structure, double brick, it didn't burn down. It was just black for quite a number of months. So um, I had that property for about six years and then I um, sold it. For a first-time investor dealing with a situation many would consider a nightmare, NASA took the setback in her stride. I didn't get any income. I mean, landlord insurance covers a little bit of that, um, but the loan was really, really small, so I, I didn't have a, a huge amount of pressure. Um, I had also purchased another property at that point, um, which was producing positive cash flow. So it kind of neutrally geared the portfolio at that point. So it wasn't a huge stressor. And, and keep in mind, I bought this property for 221000 She decided to move on from the building after its resurrection, but it wasn't due to the effects of the fire. I think there was a bit of an investigation as to why the fire happened and then there was... Um, obviously structural reports and things like that that had to be done so it did take a, a long time and then obviously to have it relet again um, once we could have access we had to do the renovations a lot of the improvements I or well, 90% of them I do myself even today to what I own and so um, to be able to get out there it takes longer than if you're contracting somebody out and then to rent it again it was a little bit harder at that time to get tenants 
I got a new tenant in there. I got a little bit of money to redo the place, just did paint. And then, um, yeah, it wasn't a, a huge thing. They had to – our sinking fund um, didn't have enough money, so we all had to pay additional um, funds to be able to make the site secure. So we had, instead of just an open basement garage, um, we had gates and electronic swipes and all the rest of it. So I guess that led me into um, not wanting to be a part of a strata building anymore. In the time it took to make the building livable again, NASA had her hopes pinned on one thing, which was probably the exact opposite of what the other owners wanted. I try and be, always be positive <laughs> and I was really hoping that all the reports would come back and say, you know what, we have to knock the building down. And then I was getting excited about oh, what, what could it be worth and I was looking at how big the land is in the area and what the zoning is and like how much the site could be worth and then that means, you know, X amount for me. So it was more... Um, that mindset rather than, oh, I don't have someone in there and I'm not getting the income. I had a full-time job. Like I said, another had another property that was positively cash flowed. So I wasn't in a stressful state. Her next purchase took two years to get into or not get into. I bought a unit in Beecroft. <laughs> it's probably my worst, my worst purchase because I bought it thinking that I would live in it and I it was more of an emotional one. I wanted the top floor. I wanted like the extra space and all the rest of it. Um, and I did also buy that one off the plan and it didn't have a, um, it, it didn't really grow in value at all. <laughs> the strata was huge. Um, and I never ended up living there. I put a tent in there. It was at a, a, a way lower value than what I thought it would be like, um, but it was still fine. I, I had a big enough deposit that I used from Penrith to put it into Beecroft. And then, again, it didn't matter if um, it was, you know, $50 or $100 less a week because I had bought it with the intention of living in it. So I was trying to minimise um, the amount of repayments I had to start with. So I guess, like, having bought two strata properties back-to-back, I thought, you know what, I just want to offload them. They're not making crazy great returns. Um, they're not going up in that much value. Um, and I think I can do something more exciting. So that, that changed <laughs> my strategy. Her takeaway from that purchase was loud and clear. My learning lesson was don't buy units and, and don't buy investments that – you fantasize about how nice it would be being there. With those two units under her belt, she shook things up and changed her investment strategy. I decided, you know what? These are not working for me. I'm going to sell both of them. I'll offload it and I'll just restructure my property portfolio. At that point in time, I met my future husband and he had different types of investment. Like I'm the, I have all the strata and he had all the land and, and both of them were in different structures where, you know, um, his wasn't working for him and mine wasn't working for me. So we sold everything off and we said, you know what, start from scratch. My husband's a builder. Um, so I'm very lucky that I could look at properties that needed additional work that I wasn't 
comfortable or had the skills to do it on my own, which was the reason at the start I didn't buy an older home in Shalvi or Durick was I had that nervousness around the issues that older homes bring. Um, so we said, okay, well, what do we want to do? We, my husband loves building. I like renovating. I like older homes and we like land. So we had a look and we listened to lots of different podcasts similar to your own with investors and some said don't invest if you're going to do the work yourself more than two hours from where you live. So we basically drew a circle and this is pre-kids so we went and visited all of those areas ourselves and we've been like nearly every suburb you can think of two hours from Sydney. And at that point we said anything under 500,000 because we want to get to this number by this, like by two years, for example. Um, so we found a property that we, um, our first well, our first purchase together was an industrial zoned land. It had a residential house on it though. Um, and it was near a growth area. So it was in Gosford, um, and the rent was, uh, it was neutrally geared. It was neutrally geared. Um, but there was potential to add value. So our strategy is always buy something under market. So we always look at what's on the market oldest to newest in the search bar on real estate or domain rather than newest to oldest, which everyone I think typically does. Um, and this property had been on the market for like six months. Um, and it was actually on, on real commercial, not realestate.com. So it was adjoining um, a medical centre across the road from a hospital. So we thought, you know, tick, tick, tick. Later on we can develop it and, you know, it will be worth a lot more. Laura Nasser's story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. She reveals the rest of the Gosford property story. So we used that strategy to then get a higher bank valuation to then go on and purchase the other properties. What and where those other properties were? So after that property, we bought a little R3 development site on the central coast. She shares some of the tips and tricks she's learned along the way. And we do also have the skills and the knowledge around how, how to get around that or how to improve on those things. And that's next time on Property Investory.